Hello, welcome to This Week in the Atlantic Coast Conference, the podcast for allsportsdiscussion.com. This is Jeff, one of your co-hosts. You can follow me on Twitter at TalkinACCSports. The podcast moderator is Matthew, and you can follow him at Smash underscore ASD. I'm going to turn it over to Matthew now as we get a word from our sponsor. Thank you, Jeff. This podcast is sponsored by Main Street Pharmacy in Blacksburg, Virginia at 301 South Main Street, Suite 107, Blacksburg, Virginia, 24060. You can follow Main Street Pharmacy on Twitter at at Main Street Farm. That's at... Hey, welcome to This Week in the Atlantic Coast Conference, the podcast for allsportsdiscussion.com. This is Jeff one of your podcast moderators. You can follow me on Twitter at TalkinACC Sports. The podcast moderator is Matthew, and you can follow him at Smash underscore ASD. I'm going to turn it over to Matthew now as we get a word from our sponsor. Jeff, can you hear me? Jeff. Jeff. Hey, Matthew. Can, can, can you hear me, Jeff? I can't hear you yet. Can you hear me? Because I've been talking. You can't hear me? Yeah. Can you all hear me? I can hear you, James, but I can't. Can you hear me, James? Yeah, I can hear you. I don't don't think Jeff can hear me. Uh, This This is some NC State stuff right here. I know it is. This podcast is sponsored by Main Street Pharmacy in Blacksburg, Virginia, 301 South Main Street, Suite 107, Blacksburg, Virginia, 24060. You can follow Main Street Pharmacy on Twitter at at Main Street Farm. Yes, I was talking, Jeff. (laughs) Welcome back to this week of the ACC. This is the... Main Street Park. <laughs> this is the longest running podcast, ACC podcast in the country, the independent ACC podcast in the country. But you know what? It doesn't, and it, you know, we're at 400 plus episodes, and I'll get you the correct number after that, but it makes you look like we're amateurs and we've never run one before. So this is kind of, this is sort of fun. So uh, this week we have James Curl on here. You can follow James Curl on Twitter at, at James Curl. That's at J A. M-E-S-C-U-R-L-E on Twitter. He does work at Pack Pride, and he's been a an NC State podcaster for more than a decade. He does just really great work, and we're happy to have him as a return guest on the show. It's been a long time since he's since we've had James back on the show. And he's back on the show here to preview 2022 North Carolina State University football. So, James, I, I gave a brief intro about yourself, but you know, before we start through the podcast, I, I know you got. I would love to have you talk about your background and anything that you want to plug and any prior work that you've done. The floor is yours, sir. Well, first and foremost, thanks for having me back. I appreciate that. It's been, I don't know, for as long as you guys have been doing this, I don't know how many years I've been joining you guys, but I feel like it's it's been at least half of that decade of the podcasting that I've been doing for sure. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, started... Uh, Started a, a podcast back in the day called the uh, Riddick and Reynolds podcast. Uh, that was uh, 
back in 2011, I think, uh, when we started doing that and uh, took a break. And then Corey Smith over at Pack Pride was kind enough to reach out to me a, a few years back to see if I wanted to get back into podcasting and join him as a co-host on his show. So um, I, I uh, you know, I, I'm not employed by Pack Pride, but uh, I'm certainly happy to be a part of the uh, extended Pack Pride family as a, a co-host on their weekly show. Uh, Corey and Michael and, and everyone there at Pack Pride does a, an excellent job covering NC State. Outstanding background, outstanding background. So you're here. Now, I want to get your quick thoughts here on NC State's men's basketball season. We sort of talk about just close the before we get into ACC football previews, we kind of talk about we kind we we give our guests a chance to talk about the prior men's basketball season and like mm-hmm. were you somewhat surprised that Book Oregon didn't didn't have a new coach at the end of the season or what what were your thought what were your thoughts on that James? Well, I wasn't surprised that Boo decided not to make a change. I mean, I, I think that there was a lot of um, outspoken criticism of Coach Keats, and and I think there would have been a lot of NC State fans that wanted to to make a move. Um, but you know, uh, we're we're coming out of a, a pandemic that's put a lot of athletic programs under a financial pinch. Um, NC State, to do in large part, I think to to Corrigan and a lot of the efforts that he did. Um, you know, uh, kind of kept us afloat financially. So we're not in the dire straits that some other programs are in, thankfully. But nevertheless, I mean, you know, it's a hard time to make a a, um, a move at this time. Uh, and, you know, I, I think Boo's taking a little bit of a kind of a wait-and-see approach with how this year will play out. I mean, I think that's, you know, a- after the emotion of the, the season has um, kind of faded and, and we're able to kind of step back, it probably is the prudent way to go about it. Um, I'm still kind of dubious that there will be a huge sea change. Um, you know, there, there's we did find out uh, this, I think it's just this past week, that uh, Turquavian Smith is going to be returning, which is going to be a huge piece for NC State to get back. Um, we're now uh, going to be losing Darion Sebron. Um, he decided to keep his name in the NBA draft, but getting, uh, Traquavian back is huge and we've added some transfer pieces. Um, so, you know, it may have been a little bit early to, to start shoveling dirt on Kevin Keats's grave just yet, but it's going to be a big year for him because obviously there's going to need to be a lot of progress shown to, to justify that, you know, keeping him around was the, the right move. And that last year was more of an aberration than, um, what we can expect moving forward. Uh, you know, I just think that, um, you know, it, you know, Keats will enter into this year on the hot seat, justifiably so, but, um, you know, with any luck, uh, things will uh, rebound quite nicely and NC State will have kind of a surprisingly good year. Um, like most years, it's usually whenever you expect good things from NC State, um, we tend to disappoint and whenever there's not much expected, uh, you know, we, we tend to uh, have surprisingly good years, which may be a little bit of uh, a preview of my uh, take on this upcoming football season, but we'll get to that in just a second, I guess. It's, oh, you bet we will. You bet we will. Uh, Jeff, let's kick it off, man. It's time to talk about 2022 NC State football. Jeff? Jeff? 
James, are you still here? I, I'm still here. I can okay. only just assume that it's the NC State factor that's really <laughs> causing so many difficulties and, and troubles. You know, um, maybe it's the NCAA. They're they're stalking any and all NC State uh, folks on any sort of social media platform to ensure that uh, you can't <laughs> actively denigrate the the infallible NCAA. No kidding. Now, Jeff, are you there? Okay, uh, I'll t- I'll tell you what I, I can't he- I can't hear Jeff and I don't think you can either. So I'm gonna I'm I'm just gonna jump right jump right into it here. Uh, what what are some of the major strengths that are coming back next year for NC State? Because you know I, I'm, we're probably gonna talk about this later here, James. But I, I, I'm I'm actually pretty high on NC State. I think NC State comes in the year as the favorite in the ACC for 2020-22 football. Again, that's 2022 football, but the floor is yours, friend. Well, obviously the the huge piece that everybody will be, I think, talking about and, and looking at for NC State this upcoming year is going to be Devin Leary at quarterback. Um, you know, I, Dave Dorn has said that he's the best returning quarterback in the country. Um, you know, that's that's his assessment as as the coach of Devin Leary. I'm sure that there's folks at other programs in the SEC that might take exception to that. Um, but uh, nevertheless, I, I think Devin is going to catapult himself onto the national radar a lot more this upcoming year if he, if he can stay healthy. Um, and I think that's going to be, again, a, another overriding theme for a lot of my talking points here is just, you know, can NC State stay healthy at a lot of key positions? But if Devin Leary stays healthy and if the, you know, wide receiving core comes along, um, you know, and, and we get production at the running back position that can kind of balance things out and, and he's not having to win everything with his arm alone. Um, I really think that Devin Leary is going to put himself in a great position to be on uh, one of the, you know, kind of the, the top names of uh, quarterbacks in the country. Um you know, uh, outside of um, Devin Leary, you know, again, if they can stay healthy, NC State's linebacking core should be one of the best linebacking cores in the country, uh, bar none. I mean, talk about, you know, a trio of Peyton Wilson, Isaiah Moore, Drake Thomas. Um, we were fortunate enough to have all three of those guys on a, a recent show. And, I mean, it's it's funny to think, you know, Peyton Wilson was, you know, finished the prior season – um, you know, as one of the best linebackers in the ACC, came into 2021, was playing phenomenal football, and then gets hurt. Um, and then in steps Isaiah Moore, and all he does is perform at a level that had him discussed as, you know, maybe the, you know, top linebacker in the ACC in Peyton's absence. And then he gets hurt. And then in steps Drake Thomas, and Drake Thomas has just a phenomenal close to the year. You know, what Drake did in uh, our game against Louisville, uh, kind of single-handedly bottling in Malik Cunningham, um, he kind of spied Malik pretty much 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 of that game and um, really took away a lot of what Louisville wanted to do, played a huge part in us winning that football game. So if all three of those guys can stay healthy and, on the, you know, get the opportunity to, you know, either take the field all, all together or – rotate and stay fresh. Um, I think NC State's defense has the potential to really be smothering and, and a, an elite unit. You know, there's plenty of talent up front and there's going to be a lot of improvement, I think, on the back end. But 
you know, the, the linebacking core, if they can stay healthy, should be the best unit in the country next year. Whoa. Now that's some high praise. Let's see if Jeff's got his technical difficulties uh, fixed. Jeff, the, let, Jeff, you out there, the next question, next topic up is yours, Jeff. Going once, going twice, no sale here. So let's uh, let's go let's go on the flip side here, uh, James. What are some of the major weaknesses for the pack? In other words, what do you th what do you think the pack's going to be working on before the first game next year? And what are some of the major questions that need to be resolved? Well, I think. Um... You know, there's not going to be, a, uh, I think, a huge amount of glaring weaknesses on this team like we've maybe seen in years past. Um, you know, this this whole uh, roster is full of experience, guys who decided to return when they maybe had other options. And so, I, you know, there's there's not a whole lot of places where I think that you can point to like, wow, this is going to be a major weakness. Um, but there are areas where, you know, you can – uh, potentially look to, um, you know, being kind of the weak link and uh, a cause for concern. You know, one of those might be the offensive line. Um, you know, you lose a guy like Iki Aquanu, he's not easy to replace. And, um, you know, I, I think that the guys that are returning are all, you know, really talented folks. You got Grant Gibson at center, um, you know, Bryson Spees. Tim McKay, I mean, these are going to be names that get a little bit more um, play because of Icky's absence. I mean, you know, Icky um, was so uh, just dominant uh, at his position, especially in, in run blocking, um, that it kind of overshadowed a little bit of the work of the rest of that line. Um, but I think, you know, the offensive line is probably going to be an area that uh, that might be a little bit of cause for concern. Um, you want to make sure, obviously, that uh, Devin stays upright and has plenty of time to, you know, stand back in the pocket and make reads and, and hit his passes downfield. Um, but I will say that, you know, uh, I, I joked about NC State versus the NCAA, which has been kind of an ongoing rivalry here for the last uh, 24 months. But, um, you know, we did get a, a decision in our favor with the return of Chandler Zavala, who was granted uh, an additional year. He won his appeal, uh, I think, to a, the surprise of a lot of folks, including Chandler Savala and his family. Um, and Chandler was a guy who, you know, transferred in right as the pandemic happened. Um, you know, he transferred from a team that decided not to play football at all that season, came to NC State, um, played just a, a few games and then got hurt. And um, so he, he really got to spend very little time on the field. But when he was in there, along with Icky, um, they were a much better run blocking unit than when he left. Um, so I do think that uh, Chandler coming back uh, is going to be uh, big for our offensive line. Um, you know, other areas of concern will be how do you replace, you know, Bam Knight and uh, Ricky Person at, in the running back position. You know, Jordan Houston has come in as kind of the third back in the past years and, and had some moments, but he's really only been given a lot of um, – opportunity to play in games that are kind of out of reach. And um, so he'll be kind of the feature back heading into the year, I think. And it'll be uh, interesting to see how they use him and if he'll be able to carry the workload. Um, but, you know, they feel pretty good about some of the guys behind Jordan. 
some names that are, are not, you know, very familiar to the rest of the ACC, but guys that have been kind of getting a lot of uh, behind the scenes buzz. Uh, so uh, it'll be interesting to see if they uh, step forward and can replace, you know, kind of the two headed monster we had there at, uh, at running back. Um, you know, defensive back has always been kind of one of those areas where NC State has, you know, had a little bit of struggles. I think the unit stepped forward a good bit last year. Um, but I think defensively, that's probably going to be the area that's going to be NC State's weakest suit. Um, you know, you're hopeful that our defensive line, uh, we are returning guys like Corey Durden and uh, Davin Van up front there. I think they're poised to have some big years. And if they can get to the quarterbacks and, and pressure them, I think that's going to make the defensive backs jobs a lot easier. Um, but I do think that might be the area where, you know, if our def- defensive front's not getting the pressure that we need, they could be tested. And, and, you know, we saw in, in high scoring games last year, um, you know, it's 2022. I mean, we live in an era where just offense is the name of the game. So it's hard to expect uh, any team to really shut down an opponent um, offensively. Um, but, you know, if you give any team too much time, they're, they're going to pick your secondary apart. So I think, the secondary will be better, but it'll uh, be due in large part to the play of the front four um, to see how well they can actually perform. Fair enough, man. Fair enough. So who are some of the, the recruits or transfer portal players that you're impressed with right now? The, you know, some of the newer play, players that are coming in. And do you think that there's going to be anybody that will get major playing time right away, James? Well, uh, you know, this is probably the question I had the least confidence in answering when you sent it my way. Um, I, you know, I don't follow – I'm not a huge recruit, Nick. I, I let Corey and Michael at Pack Pride handle all the recruiting stuff. So um, I, I kind of let guys uh, show up on film and then uh, fall in love with them. Uh, <laughs> uh, but, you know, I think one thing that I would say is um, true for NC State um, – and I think it speaks to the the healthy culture that we have here at NC State under Dave Dorn uh, at this point is that we didn't have many guys leave. Um, you know, there wasn't a really active portal season for us this past year. Um, and that's a good thing. I, I You know, you want guys who, who want to stick around. We had a lot of guys who, like I mentioned earlier, had options to either try their hand at the next level or um, – you know, just decide to call, you know, to move on or maybe even uh, finish out their playing career somewhere else. And a lot of those guys decided to return. They, they felt like they had unfinished business. That was kind of the theme that we heard a lot at the end of last year and that we've heard echoed heading into this season was, um, you know, they felt like they were a team good enough last year to win the ACC. You know, they beat Clemson, but they ended up coming up short. Um, and so I feel like a lot of those players returned for that reason and what that meant is that there just wasn't a whole lot of opportunity to bring in folks from the, from the portal and, you know, kind of the unintended consequence of having a lot of guys decide not to enter the portal and, and use all the eligibility that, you know, the COVID years um, provided to them is that, um, you know, NC state's in a little bit of a scholarship pinch, you know, they've had to kind of dial back some of the recruiting um, of high school players just simply because there's not scholarships available. Um, you know, they haven't really forced a lot of guys out. Um, and I think that's also, uh, you know, a good thing. Uh, you, you don't want to be a, a kind of a, um, 
you know, I don't know what's the, the right term, but you don't want to just kind of you know, uh, make decisions that aren't in the best interest of the player just because you need to free up some uh, space on your roster. Um, but um, it does make things a little bit tricky to uh, when you're looking at trying to add uh, a piece here or there. Um, so to answer that, that's a long winded uh, way of me saying, I, I'm not sure that there's going to be a whole lot of, you know, portal players or true freshmen that see a lot of playing time this year. I mean, you might see it at the running back position, as I mentioned uh, earlier, you know, there's, um, you know, uh, let me pull up the, um, uh, the article that was on pack pride about some of the guys that are coming in at running back. You know, I mentioned uh, Jordan Houston is going to be primarily our um, top back, but you know, uh, we've got a red shirt, red shirt sophomore in Delbert Mims uh, who is making a lot of buzz. Demi Sumo um, is a guy who's a red shirt freshman who uh, will probably be our second back behind Jordan Houston um, and then Michael Allen is a guy who's uh, also a freshman who, um, probably the fastest guy on, in the running back room, you know, he's a guy who you could potentially see get on the field. And, and if he breaks one or two here, he'll, he'll become, he'll become a household name pretty quickly for NC state. So, um, yeah, it, there's, uh, you know, you want to have a, 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 an ex- deep experienced roster where you're not relying on a lot of newcomers. And I think that's where NC State's at right now. But um, I'm sure there's going to be one or two names that flash early on and that we're talking about when the season ends. Fair enough. Fair enough, man. I mean, so here here we are, James. I mean, I want to get your, your brief take here. I mean, do you think NC State will be better than last year? And, you know, give us your reason why or why not. That's the first part. And then okay. the next part, the next part here – is probably our favorite. You're going to run through it. We're going to run through your schedule with a, we're run through, through through the schedule and you're going to give us your quick take on whether that game's a, a win or a loss. So, but let's go through that first part here, James. Well, I, it all, I, again, it all comes down to, to the health, I'm, you know, of this roster. And I, I'm sure that's not unique to NC state. I'm sure a lot of programs, their fortunes lie heavily on whether or not, you know, their key players can stay healthy, but, you know, as, as more and more um, excitement builds for this program as a potential top 10 team that we've heard uh, from, you know, some of the, the really super early <laughs> preseason uh, prognostications, um, we're not in the, the boat that like a Clemson in the ACC or, um, you know, certainly not like a, an Alabama or, or Georgia or any of the really super stocked rosters of the SEC. I mean, you know, a lot of those programs that are perennial top 10 programs are able to stay there because if they lose, you know, a five-star kid to, uh, you know, tragically to a knee injury or something early on, they're not replacing them with a three-star kid. They're replacing them with another blue chip five-star kid. Um, you know, NC state's got an experience too deep. Um, and that's what, that's what NC State's MO will be for success, but we don't have the flexibility to absorb a, a tremendous amount of injuries and still uh, play at a, at a top 10 type level. So if NC State can stay healthy um, to a lot of its key positions, which has not been, sadly, you know, history has not shown that that's NC State's MO. We typically um, more often than not do suffer 
uh, key injuries at key positions than have a year where just everything breaks the right way and everybody stays healthy. But if fortune's in our favor and NC State can stay healthy um, for the most part all year round, round I, I do think that NC State stands to be a, a better program the next year, especially if, you know, the, the, at the wide receiver position, you know, losing a guy like a Mecca Mezzi is huge. Uh, I didn't really talk about him earlier, but, you know, he, you know, he single-handedly won us that Carolina game that in that dramatic comeback. I mean, he scores two touchdowns in the last minute and a half, um, including that huge grab in the end zone where he just literally outmuscled Carolina's defensive back for it. I mean, you know, he doesn't make that play and we don't win that game. And, um, you know, uh, losing a, a, a top guy like that is, is hard to replace. We do get Devin Carter back, but it, it's going to be – Interesting to see, you know, if the wide receiver core can perform at the level that Devin Leary needs him needs them to perform uh, for Devin to maximize his potential. Um, so, I think NC State has a has a decent chance of being better than it was last year, provided everybody stays healthy and we see some key positions step forward offensively at you know wide receiver and at the running back position. That's a very good, comprehensive answer, James. We appreciate it. So, man, now you're up, man. Here we go. September 3rd, <laughs> Nancy State yeah. goes on the road to East Carolina. That's Labor Day weekend. Win or loss? Huh. Well, our friends, the Pirates. Um, yeah, ECU has been kind of a um, – uh, a really interesting uh, house of horrors for NC State in kind of the 2000s. Um, you know, there was a stretch there where, uh, you know, I'm looking on uh, Winsipedia here. And, you know, out of, uh, what, two, four, six, eight, ten, twelve 10, 12 games, State only won four of those, uh, dating back to, um, you know, the 96 game in Charlotte. Um, one, of the, one of the games that was kind of the nail in the coffin uh, for, uh, Mike O'Kane or would be eventually. Um, but you know, like we've got, we went, we've gone to ECU, um, you know, Tom O'Brien took a team down there with some guy named Russell Wilson that maybe y'all have heard about lost to him there. Um, you know, uh, they came to Raleigh in 2013, beat us. Um, and Scotty Montgomery, I think in maybe the only notable game he won in 2016, Managed to, to beat NC State, uh, 33-30. Um, you know, it's, we've won the last two, but uh, that's built up to say that uh, we could very easily go down to ECU, puffing our chest out, feeling good about all these top 10 preseason uh, uh, polls that our team has uh, received, and then uh, ECU, uh, you know, sticks it to us. Um, it's, it's happened before. And I, if you're the Pirates, you're you're loving life, knowing that you've got a um, an ACC team coming in, one of your biggest rivals, that's getting all this preseason love. It it, it doesn't get any better than the opportunity to spoil state season right out of the gate, uh, losing that first game. So I have State winning that one, but it's going to be ugly, and, and I don't think that it's going to be a convincing win on our part. I, I think it will be a a nail biter to be sure. I think that's a fair take. I think that's a fair take. So you go out of the first weekend, you want to know, and on September 10th, you have Charleston Southern at home for the Wolfpack Club Day and Egg Day. Yeah, 
W there. I don't think there's going to be a whole lot to discuss about that one, but that's that's one of those uh, games, paycheck games that you uh, you schedule up to ensure that you get a, a nice uh, W for the home fans, and uh, then you move on from there. You just Fair pray enough. for no pray, pray pray for no injuries. <laughs> Fair enough. Absolutely, you're absolutely right, man. That, that's probably the. Probably the probably the game that you take Devin Leary out of the out of the out of the game after the third quarter, right? Second quarter, if we're if we're lucky, yeah. I mean, yeah, you, you know, if there's one knock against Dave that I've had over the years is that I feel like he hasn't taken those opportunities to, um, you know, let some of his backup quarterbacks get snaps. Like I would love it if Devin comes in and we we go up four touchdowns, maybe um, if if that plays out that way and we see a, a healthy dose of Ben Finley or, you know, Aaron McLaughlin transferred um, uh, in the off season. So I'm trying to think who our third quarterback would be, but, you know, get Ben Finley in there, get your third quarterback in and, and get some reps. Um, let them, you know, uh, feel some not, I wouldn't say meaningful snaps, but you want them in a position other than just simply handling the football off and burning the last, you know, four minutes o'clock. Let them read defenses, throw the football around a little bit, make mistakes, um, put them in a position to where if, uh, heaven forbid, something happens to Devin Leary, um, you know, who's had injury issues in his past, um, you know, your, your guy doesn't come in and you know, looks like a deer in the headlights like he did when Devin got hurt two years ago. Fair enough, man. Fair enough. Then on September 17th, now you're come you yeah, you probably have one of the better, perhaps one of the better non-conference games that weekend with Texas Tech at home. You're coming in there at two and oh. It's a seven PM game, right? So it's an evening game on ESPN. I've got to think that that, that night Carter Finley's gonna be rocking. Yeah, Carter Finley at night is a completely different animal than it is during a, a, a you know a twelve thirty uh, scorcher in September. <laughs> you know the if, if the Charleston Southern game is a uh, heat stroke advisory warning. Uh, you know the night games are are fantastic to attend, and we do some of our best work at night in Carter Finley. So um, yeah, that'll be a fun one. And I'll be completely honest, say I don't know a whole lot about the current state of Texas Tech or what to expect out of them. I do know that they'll probably be pretty scrappy. Um, Corey and I talked about it on uh, one of our shows over the summer, I think, as we were kind of looking ahead to, you know, uh, this coming year. Um, and I felt like the assessment was that better not sleep on Texas Tech because that, that's a game that it, NC State could easily lose just like the uh, ECU game if they don't come dialed in and ready to play. Um, I will say that, you know, again, I think there's so many of the guys that are, are going to be starters on this team this year that have come back for the express reason of taking care of unfinished, unfinished business I don't think there's going to be a lot of sleepwalking through games like we saw in that game against Mississippi State um, last year. Um, I think guys are going to be pretty dialed in. If it happens against ECU or Texas Tech, I know that it will be even more disappointing than it was last year against Mississippi State because, you know, as we saw last year, that ultimately ended up being the game that cost you a 10-win season. Um, you know, now Mississippi State ended up having some decent wins along the way. 
Um, they're they're one of those weird programs that can beat anybody, but also lose to anybody. Um, and on that night, they were just a better team. But you know, um, I feel like state's going to be pretty dialed in each week because they understand just how much it takes to um, to go on a week by week basis, and that's the benefit of having a, a pretty experienced roster. So I think we get the W there as well. But again, it'll be a tough one. I don't anticipate a huge uh, blowout one way or the other. Um, the doom and gloom side of my brain always assumes that, that any NC State victory is always going to be uh, by the skin of our teeth. So um, I, I think that's probably a, a ten, seven to 10 point game that goes in NC State's favor when it's all said and done. All right. You're going to, you're feeling pretty confident. You're going to a game <laughs> against UConn September 24th. You're three and oh, you're playing against Colonial Athletic Association, UConn. I'm sorry. That's not the conference in there. That's where they should be. The floor is yours. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, uh, I feel like this is another W for NC State. Um, you know, we're we're quite a long ways away from the the scrappy Yukon uh, teams of old. Um, yeah, I don't I don't know that this, there's going to be a whole lot of discussion about this one when it's all said and done. Other than hopefully everybody stays healthy and uh, we get a you know a few more opportunities for Ben Finley as our our backup quarterback. Um, that would be uh, that would be my biggest hope because obviously the uh, the next game that's on the schedule is going to be the one that everyone looks to. I, I guess if there's a concern about the UConn game, it would simply be that your your next one is against uh, the Clemson Tigers, and you always worry about that look ahead spot. Definitely, and and you and you teed us teed us teed us up here pretty well here, man. You're four you're four and zero oh going into that game with Clemson. It's probably going to be a nationally televised game on ESPN. It's not I mean, It's not going to get the ACC network treatment. I expect this to either be on ABC or ESPN and on prime time in the evening. The floor is yours, James. Well, so, you know, obviously the high, probably the, the biggest highlight from last year was State beating Clemson at home last year. Uh, we know that last year's Clemson team was not nearly the uh, the Clemson that we recall during the Trevor Lawrence era, um, but you know that that has always been kind of the hill that NC State and, and Dave Dorn has struggled to to climb. Uh, you know there was that uh, fantastic game in I think twenty. I, my brain is not allowing me to remember it because it was such a painful memory, but I think it was the twenty sixteen or twenty eighteen game where. Um, you know, the, the wide right field goal that would have won it at the end. Um, you know, after that moment, it was like, gosh, are we ever going to beat these guys? And we finally got it done last year. Um, yeah, I, I think the, it, that, that Clemson game coming up um, this season will be the true litmus test of, is NC State ready to live up to the moment of being, you know, a top 10 team, a potential top 10 team? Um, you know, provided they can get through ECU and Texas Tech unscathed and you get into that game 4-0, if, you know, a lot of these preseason polls hold and NC State maybe not starts in the top 10, but starts where I would like to see him more in like the, you know, 12 to 15 range. Um, you know, if you're 4-0 and you're facing Clemson, then I think both teams by that point will be in the top 10. And so you've got a, two top 10 teams facing off against each other. God willing, 
yeah, I mean, a lot of the college football world's eyes will be on that game because there will be a lot of folks that are wondering, you know, is NC State for real? Um, and, you know, unfortunately, I'm going to guess uh, because I just we're, we're not destined to have nice things. I'm, I'm calling this a loss for NC State. I, you know, I want to believe that NC State can go down there and, and beat Clemson, but I, I feel like Dabo and that staff is just a little too good to um, – allow you know uh their team to have the season like they had last year again now obviously brent venables moves on and he's gone so you know it's it's interesting to see if that defense will be as nasty as it's always been um and uh if the uh (laughs) i don't want to drop too many conspiracy hints about the potential of uh clemson sign stealing and uh all of that uh here on this podcast but uh, you know, if if Clemson uh, takes a step back on defense, let's just say for whatever reason, um, then, you know, it, who knows? I, maybe NC State goes in there and walks a dog. I, I don't see it. It's been a long time since NC State's gone down to Death Valley and beaten a good Clemson team soundly. Uh, so I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be a little bit more in the realist camp here and say that NC State loses that game just because it's, uh, Clemson getting a little bit more uh, back in shape from where we've been accustomed to them, and NC State just struggling to get over the hill of beating Clemson in Death Valley. Um, I will say if NC State can win that game, then you're really starting to uh, open the doors to a lot of uh, you know dreams of not only winning the conference, but you know what sorts of perhaps New York Six Bowls might you be looking at, but. Um, I, I'm going to say Clemson wins that one in a close one. Uh, I think it's a good take. Uh, I will say that I will say this, James, and I say this unabashedly as somebody who is pretty. I, I think you follow me on, but you know, you follow me on Twitter. I'm pretty. I'm not very. I'm, I'm a homer at times for Virginia Tech, but I am pretty. I'm pretty objective. And walking into that game, I know that NC State today has the better quarterback. Probably has the better quarterback. I would say today. And I also think that not having Tony Elliott there too as well, whoever, whatever the University of Virginia, I'm not, I'm wondering if Clemson will have both sides of the ball together by the time that NC State and Clemson play in that game. That's the first thing because I think that I think that's going to be a fourth quarter game. That's my personal that's my personal opinion, James. Yeah, I I think it will come down to the wire. I, I don't think either team will defeat the other soundly in this one. I think it'll be a close one um, because I just think that, uh, you know, even a state's ahead late, um, you know, there will be, you know, from NC state side, it will be the, all right, are we, are we doing this? Are we, are are we closing the deal here? Um, Does NC or does Clemson rally at home? You know, even if they've struggled earlier in that game, you know, uh, I could easily see a scenario where, you know, Clemson rallies late to win. Um, but uh, I hope I'm wrong. I hope State goes down there and takes care of business. You know, the interesting thing is I look at Clemson's schedule. Um, the preceding game is against Wake Forest in Winston-Salem. And we know how, well, from an NC State perspective, we know how difficult it can be to go to Winston-Salem and win. You know, does Clemson um, perhaps uh, come in a little bit battered after that one? Um, because it'll be a tough stretch for them. They've got uh, they go to Wake Forest, they host us, and then they travel on the road again the following week to BC 
you know, and if BC is, um, um, if Jerkovic is playing, you know, well for the Eagles, um, that could be a pretty pivotal stretch for the Atlanta. I, I, that, those three games right there might decide whether or not Clemson is uh, in the front runner seat for the Atlantic. But, um, but yeah, I mean, that might play in NC State's favor a little bit. You know, I think you'd much rather be the team coming off a game against UConn than coming off against uh, a game against, um, you know, an Atlantic opponent on the road. So maybe an edge in NC State's favor there. But I, I'm still going to give the edge to Clemson just simply because it's in Death Valley. Fair enough, fair enough. And you, the next week, and you're pretty much here at the midpoint of the season, you're 4-1, and one. According to our projections here, you got Florida State at home. So you see, you, you the schedule lines up pretty well. You got a lot of real tough games at home, James. Yeah, uh, these these uh, you know these even years do tend to uh, other than the Clemson factor, where we're playing um, in Death Valley. Uh, you know, the even years break our way pretty well um, because you look at the teams in the Atlantic who we host, who would be your probably uh, most likely contenders uh, for competing for the Atlantic crown. And, you know, you've got Florida state at home, you've got wake at home, and then you got BC at home. So um, yeah, I'm going to put down state for a win here. I, I think if they play well, but come up short against Clemson, I think that'll invigorate them to come home, play well, realize that, you know, that just losing to Clemson doesn't uh, seal your fate in the Atlantic as we saw last year um for you know wake forest um so yeah i think florida state um is going to be a, a better team but i think nc state ends up winning that one so i i think we close out the front half of our schedule five and one with a win against the seminoles at home outstanding said so, i mean Pitt state fans for the most part are going to be pretty happy a week later you go on the road, NC State goes on the road to Syracuse, where there's, quite frankly, James, there's some crazy things that ha can happen, and I have a lot of experience of, at this as a Virginia Tech fan watching these things. Yeah, I I think, um, yeah, the, 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 I was going to say the Carrier Dome, but they renamed it recently, right? Yes, they uh, renamed it, no you're right. <laughs> Old habits. Yeah. <laughs> It's going to be really hard uh, breaking that habit of calling it the Carrier Dome, but the Whatever Dome um, is going to be uh, kind of an interesting spot for a lot of teams uh, to go up and play. It, it's just such a weird environment there. I had the opportunity in the in, in my college years to cover a game up there, and it, it's it's unlike playing football in any other uh, arena. It's the, the field is obviously you know it's it's much different it's not even like field turf it's it's more like an old school astroturf um and the dome is pressurized and that plays tricks with your head um so uh, yeah I, I, strange things have happened there you know speaking of peyton wilson who uh, you know has done some tremendous things uh in his time at nc state when he's been able to stay healthy one of his biggest plays um, two years ago was uh, a game-saving, um, I think it was a sack or maybe it was a tackle um, there at the end of that game that ended up uh, sealing the win for us in, in a real nail-biter. So, you know, I, I'm picking NC State to win, but I, I could, uh, you know, I, I'm much more inclined to want to just pick blocks of the schedule and say we'll be, you know, 
whatever and whatever coming out of this four game stretch than I am to pick individual games. Cause you know, who knows state can go to death Valley and win and then beat Florida state and then lose to Syracuse. You know, it's just, um, I, I like you said, Syracuse is a weird place to play. I don't know how, you know, embattled, um, Dino Babers is as a head coach. I, you know, I think a lot of people assume he's just on the hot seat, but I don't know how much pressure there is on him from, you know, the, the people who make the, the you know, the, the people he actually answers to up there in Syracuse, the athletic director and the boosters. So, um, yeah, I, I could see state losing that game, but I, I think I'm going to call that a, an NC state win. Good take. You're six and one, and let and just just you have me look it up, James. It's the JMA Wireless Dome. Apparently, this oh. happened in middle May, and I completely missed it. And you are the man for for remembering for remembering this. I, I completely I completely missed all of it. The JMA Wireless Dome. There you well, go. It rolls off the tongue. I mean, you know, <laughs> JMA Wireless Dome. <laughs> All right, so you have a bye, probably at a, you know really at a pretty decent time after this Syracuse in seven games. You know, you a lot of times you know if you a lot of times people get their buys too early. Sometimes they have it at three games, but you're getting theirs after. You know, if you can get a buy after six or seven games, you're getting at a pretty good stretch in the season. And you got my you got Virginia Tech coming to your house on a Thursday night with a brand new coach and Brent Pry. Yeah, I I have State winning this one. Um, so do I. You know, <laughs> yeah, I I I have very fond memories of of games we've won in in big moments. Um, you know, on Thursday nights at, at Carter Finley, it used to be, and I'm sure Matthew, you remember, you know, in the the '90s and and early 2000s. I mean, Thursday night was when kind of the entire football universe had their eyes on you and you, you really prized those games because there wasn't Thursday night NFL. There wasn't, you know, six different games all taking place on Thursday night uh, in college football. It was one game ESPN, you know, primetime and, you know, NC state has pulled off some, some big shockers, you know, our biggest wins against Florida state always seem to come on Thursday nights. Um, you know, um, I think the the famous uh, if there's when you look up on Twitter for NC State uh, as a as a GIF uh, the the one that comes up most frequently is the, the large gentleman standing on the edge of the uh, the stadium holding the pole and swinging the shirt around his head um, you know that that was on a, a Thursday night so um, that is uh, that's our track record on Thursday night games uh, at Carter Finley it's been pretty good I think NC State will win this one but you know. By the time we get to it, it'll be interesting to see how the Hokies have settled in um, by that time. You know, a lot of times in a in a coach's first year, there's a lot of growing pains, and you know, there's guys that are, you know, some guys who've um, been kind of relegated to backup roles under the previous administration come forward, and you know, other guys who expected that they would be starters are now kind of taking a backseat to other guys, and. Um, you know, by by the time you get to the second half of the year, usually we've got a pretty good grasp on whether that team's going to be kind of the you know surprise darling of the league, or if they're going to just be um, in the midst of a a year zero, as Bill Connolly would call it. Um, 
So I'm hopeful that it's a year zero situation for Virginia Tech. I'm hoping that they're sorting some things out uh, and NC State gets an easy W there. But uh, whether it's a, a close one or, or a cakewalk, I, I still have NC State winning that one. I, I expect I expect NC State to at least cover the spread. That's my take. That's my take. That's my take there. So here we are, man. You're you're clocking in here at least according to my my numbers here. You're clocking in at seven and one, and you perhaps. I mean, this is my take as an ACC blogger, and I'm sure Jeff would say the same. Jeff would say the same thing. On November fifth, you've got Wake Forest. At home, this is your homecoming and varsity club day. Uh, just a few words here before I set it up for you. Uh, you can correct me if I'm wrong, James, but I think NC State is a field goal away, basically, from being 0-5 in the last five against Wake Forest. Is that correct? That's a good question. I don't know the cumulative uh, margin of victory over or against Wake. Um, I think what I would say here is what I think what I'd say here is I think in 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 two, I think in the last five, NC State is one and four against Wake, and mm -hmm. in the game that they won, they won by three points in that That's in right. the game in the game that they won. So I'm looking at it right here, yeah, you're right. This is kind of a big. I, for me, my take as an ACC blogger, this is the biggest game on your schedule here. The floor is yours, James. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think the easy answer in terms of biggest game would probably be that Clemson game, especially if Clemson is back in, in form. Um, but in terms of uh, psychologically getting over the hump, you know, this is a game where NC State really needs to respond to losing that game in Winston-Salem last year um, convincingly. You know, we, we typically uh, have the upper hand uh, against Wake at home. You know, it's rare that we win in Winston-Salem. But, um, you know, over the last, as you pointed out, I mean, you know, the last um, stretch of five games here, we've only won, you know, one of them. So, um you know, the, the game at home that we uh, lost in 2018, um, I mean, that, that one, that was a heartbreaker. We were one um, fourth down conversion away from salting that one away, and then uh, they ended up coming back and winning that one at home and ended up, again, that was another year where NC State, you know, could have finished um, with, I think, a 10-win season uh, that year. That was in 2018, but for you know, losing that game. Um, yeah. I mean, in, I think state has to win that and has to win it pretty convincingly to assert itself. Uh, you know, because as we, if, if we tally all these, you know, uh, prognostications up here and we're, you know, truly what seven and one, eight and one uh, at this point, seven and one, I think. Um, and our only losses you know, on the road to Clemson, then we're probably still either in the top 10 or knocking on the door of the top 10. Um, and uh, it'll be another show me moment for, the, you know, the nation to see like, okay, is NC State going to get past their bugaboo that has always been, you know, kind of the uh, the Achilles heel for them. And, and, you know, I say what you will about Wake Forest as a program or Dave Clawson as a coach. I think he's one of the best in the ACC bar none. Um, and where he, 
where he succeeds is where a lot of coaches fall short, and that is getting their teams to compete until the very end. You know, that 2018 game that we lost at home was a prime example of, you know, by all accounts, there's no reason why Wake Forest should have won that game, but they did. They just kept fighting, and um, he instills in them a belief that they will come through in the end, and it's not until the, you know, the final whistle that, uh, you know, that, that they ultimately, um, you know, you know, if they come up short, they come up short. But, you know, the last year they had so many opportunities, not so many, but they had several opportunities. I felt like um, that Syracuse game, for example, should have been beaten by Syracuse, kept fighting, and they ended up winning that game, and it proved to be a deciding one um, for them. So, um, you know, I, I think uh, I think State wins it, um, but – Man, they, it scares the hell out of me. You want to talk about maybe not biggest game, but scariest game? I think I think this game is the scariest uh, for any NC fair State enough. fan because fair enough, fair enough. Any force shows up on a schedule, we, we get a little bit scared. Fair. Uh, so, Jeff, Jeff, are you Jeff? Are you, is your mic working now? I'm kind of getting the sense that it's working. Yeah, can you guys hear me? Yes, we can hear Yay. you. I'm gonna let you take oh, over. The, finally, I'm gonna let you take over the rest of the schedule here, starting with Boston College, Chef. <laughs> All right, uh, James, how you feeling about that Boston College game? <laughs> yeah, sorry, Jeff, you missed all the good ones. Um, yeah, no, I've been uh, listening. I've been listening. <laughs> yeah, BC is another one of those teams that um, has always been. Um, kind of a thorn in our side, you know, we, you know, we've lost some games to them that we had no business losing to. Um, I feel like Jeff Halfley is a, a really good coach. I, I think BC will be a much improved team and, you know, um, and I'm for the life of me, I, I can never remember if it's Jerkovic or Jerkovic. Um, but if he's healthy, he's, he's a, you know, he's a, probably NFL fringe NFL caliber quarterback um, and makes a huge difference for them. He obviously was not healthy when he came back at the end of last year um, because he just didn't look like he was able to put much uh, mustard on the football at all. But assuming he's healthy and, and uh, is still playing by the time BC faces off against them, um, that'll be a real tough test for us. And, um, you know, in years past when we faced BC, it was always – you know, they just pounded you on the ground and had just a, a, a dominant offensive line. Um, but I think the, the new era of BC is going to be <clears throat> airing it out a good bit more. And um, again, another reason why I'm thankful that that game's at home instead of on the road uh, in these even years, because, you know, having the opportunity to play some of those trip up games at home you know, I'd, I'd love to get Clemson on the, the even side of the schedule as well. Uh, we can't have everything break our way, I guess. But, um, you know, um, having the opportunity to include BC uh, with FSU and Wake as our Atlantic home games is a big deal. And I think uh, NC State will end up getting the win there. Um, it's so funny when we do these uh, podcasts and, and – you guys ask us to go through game by game and, and choose your prediction. I always, when I look at the end result, I'm like, there's no way we're going 10 and one or 11 and one or whatever it is that I end up predicting. But, uh, 
I feel good in all of these matchups and I feel good in the BC one uh, vaguely, uh, but um, uh, again, I, it's probably easier to pick batches of four and say, you know, the state come out three and one or four and oh, or two and two in these stretches rather than trying to pick individual games. Um, you know, I, I could see out of the stretch from Syracuse, Virginia tech, wake and BC, I could easily see us losing one of those, even though I didn't pick any of those one game or any of those individual games as a loss. So, um, again, I, I'm going to pick BC uh, as a win for NC State here, but another one that NC State could possibly lose if uh, if they're not dialed in and, and focused. All right. Then you go on the road and you play at, at I, I think it is, is a really tricky game at Louisville. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, they, they've got some some talent on the offensive side of the ball. A really good group of running backs, Malik Cunningham. Yeah. I mean, Malik is just a, a, a really rare talent. And I think it just speaks to what a tremendous job the NC State was able to do last year, bottling him up, particularly uh, Drake Thomas. Um you have to imagine that NC State's defensive game plan will be similar, if not exactly the same heading into that one. Um, but I don't think Louisville would be uh, foolish enough to run the exact same offensive game plan. Um, they're still obviously going to rely heavily on uh, Malik's abilities. Um, but, yeah, I, I – uh, that one, I, I – just because I – as I was staring at the results, I felt like I needed to sprinkle in another loss somewhere. I have that one as a loss as well. Um, you know, it's going to be interesting to see – where Louisville season is and particularly, you know, how folks in Louisville feel about Jeff Satterfield at that point. Um, you know, it is if the season's uh, middling or going poorly, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of discontent uh, in Louisville, but um, if they bounce back and have a, a big year, I, I could definitely see Louisville being one of those teams that is competing for the Atlantic division and with just with it being on the road, I'm I'm going to pencil NC State in for a loss just because I I got sick and tired of seeing all these W's and uh, decided that we needed to have an L in there somewhere, and I just couldn't I couldn't bring myself to do it uh, for the next game. All right, and then you finish the game at North Carolina the day after Thanksgiving. <laughs> yes, uh, what has become a, a North Carolina tradition here. Uh, the the post Thanksgiving game against UNC. Um, <clears throat> by the way, I, I love that. I, I love the fact that that has been kind of inked in at this point on the ACC schedule because it really is a big deal here in the state. I, I know that it's not historically been a huge rivalry outside of the state of North Carolina, mostly just because neither team or both teams have had um, you know bad seasons or subpar years or you know. Uh, as is often the case, both teams <clears throat> would finish somewhere around the seven-win mark, which is just enough to get you into a, a really crappy bowl. Um, but, you know, obviously, Mac is is doing a lot of things uh, well there recruiting-wise. They haven't paid the results that I uh, paid off in the results that I think that, um, you know, he would want. But, um, you know, I, that's going to be... A huge one in terms of the rivalry is, you know, all right, is is NC State for real? And 
is NC State definitively going to be able to say that no, NC North Carolina is still NC State's football state. You you guys have the edge in basketball, but this is still NC State's state in terms of football. Um, and um, you know, a lot of bragging rights that come with that, and and this um, kind of squelching a lot of this whole Mac is back. You know, we've heard Mac is back for the last three years now, uh, and it ha- hasn't materialized. I'm sure the way that a lot of people assumed it would, with all the recruiting success that they've had. Um, but uh, states had their their uh, you know you know in, in comparing it to other teams in the uh, in our schedule where we've struggled historically on the road. NC State has had some success in Chapel Hill, uh, even in years where we were expected to be the underdog. Um, you know, a couple of those were uh, with Russell Wilson as a quarterback. <clears throat> so he, he made some magical things happen there in Chapel Hill. But um, I don't know. I, I If you can see my sheet of paper, I've got it just written as a question mark. Um, so I have no idea. I, I'm, I'm almost scared to even pick uh, on this one. My heart really wants to, to pick a win. Um, but I have no good, no idea how good Carolina will be. And if they're disappointing again this year, are they going to be checked out? Um, you know, what's their, with, you know, with Sam Howell gone, what's their quarterback situation going to be like? You know, we know Josh Downs is a tremendous, you know, wide receiver, son of an NC State player, by the way. Um, you know, so that always hurts anytime we see him have great success uh, in Carolina Blue. But, um, He's a tremendous talent, and if uh, I think Drake May is whoever is projected to be their um, starting quarterback, if, if he's the next coming of Trevor Lawrence or some other phenomenal freshman quarterback that we've seen in recent years in the ACC, they could be having a tremendous season, and then it would be a, a huge, huge game. It may be getting to see what I've always asked for, which is both teams going in either in the top 10 or on the fringe of the top 10, and it's it's a rivalry that means um, a lot of uh, means a lot to folks just outside of NC uh, or outside of the state of North Carolina. And like, like I mentioned, it's always been kind of a big deal inside the state borders, but outside very few people have paid attention. I mean, if NC state and Carolina are both uh, knocking on the door of the top 10, it would have huge rem- ramifications for college football in general, especially as a lot of these new year six bowls start to get kind of uh, sorted out. I would love to see State and Carolina both be in the top 10, both having a lot to play for and the stakes of that game being as high as they've maybe ever been. So I don't know right. if I gave you a definitive win-loss on that one, did I? I don't know. I, <laughs> I kind of <laughs> right. skirted the issue, I think. Uh, let's say NC State wins that one and, and has a magical season. How about that? All right, all right. Sounds good. Um, James, give us the pulse of the NC state pro football program right now, what are pack boggers and fans thinking right now of the status of the program? And I, I got to believe it's, it's as good as it's been in a really long time. Yeah, it, it is. And it's what's wild is to think about where it was just, you know, three years ago, you know, in 2019, you know, we were, there was not, we, I, I don't want to assign myself to this opinion, but there are a lot of NC state fans that, we're done with Dave Dorn and they were ready to move on. And they were skeptical about, you know, firing of the uh, offensive and defensive coordinators. 
wondering if that's really going to, you know, just be a bandaid on the larger issues that were kind of plaguing the program in that horrible four and eight year. And what has happened since is just a tremendous turnaround. Um, maybe the most successful instance that I can think of, not just at NC state, but in most of college football in recent memory of, you know, the, the move that every coach that every head coach goes to, to kind of save their own hide of, you know, swapping out the co- coaching staff, actually paying dividends in the way that you would hope it to be. Now, it wasn't all just bringing in new coaches. I mean, there were a lot of, um, there. you know, that year was, that 2019 year had, again, a ton of injuries that led to a lot of struggles. Um, so it wasn't just coaches and play calling and, and things like that, but what it did allow is for a lot of guys who were backups to get playing time, who are now, you know, junior redshirt juniors and seniors on this team who have experience. And so that 2019 year, that was such a down year for this program and had so many fans ready to move on really kind of paved the way for the success that has come afterwards. In addition to, you know, I think what would everybody would agree is a, an upgrade at both the offensive and defensive coordinator positions. Um, And so now, you know, this is, we're in that space where it's like, it's, it's either now or never. Um, And, you know, I've, I've joked that I'm not comfortable with everyone putting in, in their preseason top 10, just because it's frightening to me to, to have all of these preseason expectations. I have always felt, iffy about having um, so much of the spotlight on our team just because we've seen, um, you know, in my lifetime, just how often that goes poorly. I don't know if that's confirmation bias. Maybe every, just about every program that is trying to elevate themselves in in the hierarchy of college football that feels like this is going to be their year. Maybe most of those stories end with disappointment. I don't know, but it just feels that way for NC State. And so um, I'm still kind of getting used to the idea that NC State might be uh, a preseason top 10 team. Um, I'm going to have to get used to it because it seems like that's the trend that a lot of, uh, you know, we might be that trendy team that everybody's kind of pointing to to make themselves feel smart when they put together their super early preseason top 10s. Um, And, you know, there's there's a lot, as we've discussed in this show, of reasons why that would be the case, but... Um, yeah, I think a lot of folks are still, uh, feeling pretty good about the program at this point. Um, happy to see that we're in a position, um, you know, the, the interesting thing for the, the Dave Dorn haters that, you know, still exist within the program, you know, they're, they're looking into this season as, um, either this is the year that Dave gets it done and finally convinces me to change my opinion or if NC State comes up short, this is the year that validates that I was right all along that Dave Dorn was never going to get us over the hump. So uh, if State stumbles, especially early against ECU or, or Texas Tech or in a game where, you know, everybody just assumed that we were going to, you know, walk the dog with them and end up, you know, losing it, and, and that end up being the reason why NC State fell short of expectations, uh, there will I'm sure there will be no shortage of folks – uh, in the fan base who are vocal about how they knew all along that this was never going to pan out the way that everybody thought it would. But 
I'm not going to worry about those folks right now. I'm just going to be happy that NC State is uh, being looked at so positively and, and just hopeful that this is the year where everything kind of comes together and we have a magical year like, you know, Cincinnati did last year. You know, like if, if NC State has a season like, NC, like Cincinnati did a year ago, I, I think that would be um, that would be just about everything that NC State um, could hope for. I will say that, you know, it's not unreasonable, nor is it unjustifiable uh, to expect that this is the year where NC State finally wins an ACC championship. Um, you know, it's been since 1979 that they've won one. And we've had our close looks at it. You know, when Philip Rivers was here, we, we had an opportunity when we started that 02 season, 9-0. and um, So we've had opportunities to win a title, and it just hasn't uh, come together. If NC State comes short of an ACC title this year, I think it is a disappointing finish because you're really not going to get a much better look at it than you will this year with all the talent, all the pieces, um, and especially if everybody can stay healthy. Um, there really won't be any excuse why you didn't get the job done. Um, but I'm hopeful that, you know, Dave Dorn ticks that off of his checklist of things to do. We can finally move on from that and we can start to dream about bigger and better things from beyond that. All right, James, we're now at the uh, close of the podcast and we're at our open mic segment uh, so this is where you can rant or talk on any topic you want. Well, I have a lot of thoughts about Will Smith and the slap from the Oscars. So uh, buckle up. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I, uh, I, I'm really, really curious to see how this year plays out. Like if I didn't have a vested interest and if I was not a, a NC State fan, I still would be really intrigued to see how this year plays out um looking from the outside in you know we've this uh especially with the baseball team and and the basketball team you know there's been a lot of heartache recently i mean tommy white breaks the freshman home run record and then decides to transfer like literally within the week um it just um there's there's been a lot of heartache and i think that you know if you're someone who's kind of followed along with some of the 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 heartache from the outside looking in and wondered um will nc state ever catch a break um i think this is gonna be state's best opportunity to really make some noise and have a positive season uh and you know prove that good things can happen to uh, to nc state <laughs> athletically um but uh with that comes kind of the uh you know, opportunity for you know shot and freud and and watching uh lucy pull the football away from charlie brown one more time um so i i can't blame anyone especially if you're a carolina fan or anyone who just hates state for whatever reason um to to revel in uh any shortcomings that come along the year um i do think it's incredibly hard to live up to preseason top 10 expectations if you're not a perennial top 10 team like you know we made fun until the you know the cows came home last year about carolina falling flat on their face a season ago uh and it was fun and we all enjoyed it um i that very well could be us this year just because it's not something that teams like NC state or Carolina are historically built to be, you know, like if there's a regression to the mean, it's always usually 
you know, the seven, eight, you know, uh, win mark. I mean, under Dave Doran, State's averaging, I think, a little bit over eight wins or close to eight wins. Um, you know, that four and eight year in 2019 brought the average down, as did his first year. But, like, if you throw out those outlier, season, <clears throat> outlier seasons, you know, he's had some some really good, you know, nine-win years, several nine-year win years. By the way, screw UCLA for backing out of that bowl game last year that would have gotten us our 10th win. Um, I'm not one of those folks who claims that it was a win and we can claim 10 wins. I think that's silly, and I wish that we hadn't had anybody officially do so. Uh, I know Dave was emotional about it uh, and um, played to the fan base, but um, we won nine games last year, uh, and UCLA didn't give us that opportunity to to win our 10th. And I, I hate that because I really feel like we would have won that game and and that would have been another check mark uh, for Dave to check off on his checklist. Have a have a ten win season, but um, yeah, it's hard to do. It's it's hard for a, a team like an NC State that's historically been, you know, above average but not great to have a breakthrough ten, eleven, even twelve win season. Um, and you know, you typically have to have a roster full of blue chippers to be able to weather the inevitable injuries that happen and things like that. Um, so I, I think if it happens for NC state this year, it will be because fortune shines on us for once. We, we don't have any major injuries. Um, we get some breaks our way. We have a year like that. Um, was it? Oh, six wake forest year where it seemed like Jim Grobe won just about every close game. Uh, you know, if state has a, a slew of, maybe five one possession football games. If we somehow win all five of those, which statistically rarely ever happens, then that will be a, a magical season for us. And, and state will have the kind of year that folks have predicted for us. But I think the odds tell you that most likely state's not going to wind up in the top 10 when it's all said and done. And if we finish in a new year, six bowl and, and, or, you know, finish outside of the top 10, but wind up in, the top 15 or close to it. I'm, I'm fine with that. You know, if we can win an ACC title, um, but come up short in, in, uh, our new year six bowl, I can live with that. Um, I, I don't, I don't need NC state to finish within the top 10 to feel like we've, this year has been a disappointment to us. If that makes any sense. All right. Sounds good, James. Um, from, from myself on, on an open mic, a quick run through of the uh, NCAA baseball tournament here. Virginia Tech and Notre Dame have advanced uh, to the Super Regionals. Uh, Miami still trying to fight through theirs. Louisville and um, North Carolina play for the right to advance in their Super Re- uh, to the Super Regionals tomorrow. I, I think that they will. I think you'll see uh, Louisville and and North Carolina advance. Uh, Georgia Tech. Good effort tonight against Tennessee, but uh, unless they hit a grand slam here, they're going to be uh, eliminated. Uh, Florida State, Wake Forest, and Virginia eliminated. Um, Wake Forest and Virginia had pretty good regional setups, but but did not come through. But I, th- I think you'll see uh, by the end of tomorrow at least three and probably four ACC teams in their super regionals. All right, I'm going to turn it over to you, Matthew, for your open mic. 
Sure. Uh, I'll, I'll just be real, real quick here because uh, I'm, I'm on my open mic uh, and one of my open mics is going to be a question for James. And the other one is just going to be my brief open mic about my blogging. Um, so uh, I'm not sure if you both are aware. I know you are, Jeff, because I kind of built this series up really big between the Avs and the Oilers because I really thought the Oilers have the best player in the world in Connor McDavid. And the Avs seem to be crushing, absolutely crushing the Oilers right now. And what I built, I, I built this game, this series to be like a seven game type series. And they're, go, they're probably going to sweep. They're probably going to sweep. They're probably going to sweep the oil, the Oilers right now. The Avs are clearly the best team in the NHL. It's them and everybody else. And, you know, it seems like whenever I blog at allsportsdiscussion.hockey, I am so epically wrong. It's probably not even, it's not, it's not, it's not even in the orbit of reality because the last time I, I blogged about hockey a couple times at, at, at allsportsdiscussion.com. And another time I thought, I really thought the Chicago Blackhawks, and this was in 2017, I still remember it today, the Chicago, because there are a couple of North Dakota players on the Blackhawks team at the time, and Jonathan Toes, who was one of the best players in the, in the world at the time, and I thought that that series would also be a great one between the Preds, the Preds and the Blackhawks, and Nashville ended up sweeping Chicago. So here we are. I, I think it's, history is kind of repeating itself a, a half a, de a half a decade later. So that's my that's my first take. Note to self: probably not build build up these series that you think are going to be awesome because you're going to be epically wrong. And I, I will call myself out for that. Uh, that's. <laughs> And it's not even a hot goaltender here. It's me being completely wrong. The other, the other question I want to ask you, James. James, I, you didn't say a word about it, man. Because I, but I, I do want your take. I mean, Jeff and I both thought NC State should have been in the should have been in the NC in the NCAA baseball championships. And I, I would like your brief thoughts there, friend. James. Yeah. Uh, sorry, yeah, I mean, did, uh, did you hear what I, uh, uh, we'd like to get your thoughts on, uh, my, part of my open mic for Mike was, uh, the brief thoughts on NC state on, on, uh, NC state's, uh, baseball, their baseball season. Mm -hmm. Jeff and I both thought that, that <laughs> NC state should have been in the NCAA in the NCAA baseball playoff, uh, playoff playoffs here. Your thoughts. Yeah, no, I, I, um, uh, I, I agree. Um, just, you know, obviously that, there was, uh, in fact, I think there was an article that was posted in the local paper, the News and Observer, where they were talking about, you know, uh, we're NC State. Uh, like, I think the title was, you know, NC State's now in the NCAA tournament. Um, what, where should we expect them to go sort of thing? And then Selection Sunday happened and they had to delete the article. Um, yeah, it just, um, I think it's... Uh, it's, it's, I don't know. I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I don't, I don't, I don't fall into the crowd of NC state fans who feel like this was some sort of retribution for all the backlash that, you know, the NCAA caught after what happened in Am Omaha last year. Um, I think that's, that's kind of silly. Um, but at the same time, I, I don't understand how they were left out when there were teams that had, um, objectively worse resumes, um, that were included. Um, 
you know, every the job of every selection show uh, com- or selection committee member that goes on these shows is to stand in front of the camera and justify why a team um, didn't get in. And they always have some spin that always never aligns with whatever kind of the stated um, selection criteria is. Um, they do their best to kind of polish the turd as it is. But, um, you know, I think it was pretty telling. <clears throat> that just about every major publication that follows college baseball felt like NC state was screwed. Um, so, you know, I guess we were just, it felt good that we had um, non NC state related media or affiliated media, non-local media that were feeling the same thing. Um, it, it, I guess it, uh, it never, it doesn't change the fact that we, we weren't in the group, but uh, at least it, if our anger felt righteous in that respect. Um, so yeah, we deserve to be in there. I, you know, we had, we had our warts. We, it's hard to say whether we would have advanced to a super regional. Um, you know, it's interesting to wonder how the Tommy White saga would have uh, concluded if we had continued to play. Like, you know, if, if state advances into the NCAA, it's certainly, Tommy doesn't, you know, transfer beforehand, so he's still playing. And if he blows up, does he change his mind? Does he stay? Maybe he had already decided that he was going to be transferring to wherever he was headed, regardless of how the year played out, even if we'd made it all the way to Omaha. I don't know. But um, I do feel like NC State got kind of screwed. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not allowing myself to really entertain the idea that it was a screw job on the NCAA for retribution for all the backlash that they caught for last year. Um, but it is rather interesting that it uh, played out the way that it did. And and I, at the end of the day, you just hurt the most for a guy like Elliot Avent, who is kind of in the twilight of his time here at NC state. You know, he, he had what happened to him in Omaha, um, you know, the year before, I honestly thought that that was going to be the thing that kind of broke him and, and caused him to go ahead and step away from the game. And to his credit, he's, he stuck through it. He, he was maybe the most positive guy affiliated with the program of anyone about how things played out. He, he uh, in publicly, I'm, you know, I, I know him well enough to know that uh, what he was saying behind closed doors was not, positive at all uh towards the ncaa or the way that it was handled but he was not going to let um anyone know on the outside uh that he was uh as frustrated as he justifiably was um but um you know to have this happen on the heels of that situation really stinks and and i i hope that he's with us long enough to where nc state can rebound and have uh, a year good enough to get us back to Omaha before he decides to leave NC State and uh, hand the reins over to um, whoever ultimately takes the program uh, from him once he's he's moved on from it. But he deserves to have a, another great season and and another run, a deep run into the NCAA's. And and obviously it's not going to be this year. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, well, James, th- thanks so much for joining us on the All Sports Discussion ACC podcast. We loved having you come on the show talking about NC State, football, basketball, baseball, everything under the sun. And we would love to have you come back on the show again sometime. Thank you so much for spending time with us on a Sunday evening, James. Of course, of course. It's always my pleasure. I appreciate you guys reaching out to me every year at uh 
it's part of my calendar now. Anytime we start, uh, you know, going through the summertime, uh, I, I enjoy hopping on with you guys and talking about the upcoming football season, to be sure. All right. Have a great week, guys. Thanks again.